Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. This is one of the most precious passages in the Bible, and it's on my heart constantly. And tonight I want to bring a message called Launch Out into the Deep. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret. Now that's the beautiful Sea of Galilee that Brother Robert sang about a while ago. And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the boat. Now when he had ceased speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had thus done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish, and their net broke. And they beckoned unto their partners who were in the other boat, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draft of the fish which they had taken. And so were also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. All of us are familiar with John chapter 21, the epilogue to John's gospel, where a similar story to this is told after the resurrection. Peter had gone fishing, and the Lord came and fixed breakfast for them. And they saw the Lord on the shore. And somebody said, hey, Peter, that's, that's the Lord. And Peter was ashamed, and he got back in the lake because he was naked. And that was after he had denied the Lord. And there came those three haunting questions to Simon. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? And finally, broken in heart, Simon said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. But you don't get the whole message of that 21st chapter of John if you don't realize the words for love that were being used. Jesus said, Simon, do you have agape for me? And, John, and, and, and Peter said, Lord, I have phileo for you. And again, the Lord said, Peter, do you have agape, God's love for me? Peter again said, Lord, I have phileo for you. And then the Lord used Peter's word, and he said, Peter, do you have phileo for me? Fellowship kind of love, is that it? And Peter was broken in heart. He knew what the Lord was saying. It just broke his heart. He said, Lord, that's all I'm capable of. I have fellowship love for you. And Jesus said, then follow me. Follow me. Now here, the Lord has come to the disciples. They fished all night. 
they were good fishermen. They knew what they were doing. They were craftsmen, professionals at it. And they caught nothing. They fished all night and they didn't catch anything. I don't know whether it means they didn't catch anything. That's what the scripture says. What a discouragement. You imagine going out and fishing all night long and not catching anything and being a professional at it and have to face the crowd the next morning. They say, how many fish did you catch? I said, well, I'm sorry I didn't catch a thing. You imagine the embarrassment of such a thing. Now, I, I take that literally. That's what the Lord is saying here and what those disciples meant. Some have told, tried to tell me, well, they caught a little bit, but in comparison to what they usually catch, they didn't catch much. I think the scripture says they didn't catch anything. They fished all night long, didn't catch anything. And the Lord said, cast over there. Launch out into the deep and cast over there. And they said, Lord, we've done this all night. We know what we're doing. We know what we're doing. Nevertheless, at thy word, doesn't that bless your heart? They were professionals. They knew what they were doing. But they said, nevertheless, Lord, at thy word, we'll do it. And they cast the net. Jesus said, now you put the nets over there. And they didn't take the Lord seriously. It took them a long time to find out who Jesus was and how seriously to take him. And so they took their little net that they'd been using all night long. Jesus said, take the nets. Cast out into the deep. Go over there. And they took their little net, put it out there, and all of a sudden it was just so filled with fish that the net began to break. Notice they didn't do what Jesus said to do. Jesus said, take the nets and cast out there. They were obeying him to the letter of the word, but they were making their own interpretation of what he was saying. And they thought he was saying, well, you've fished all night, you've used this net, go over there and cast out into the deep and, cast, and put that net out there. Jesus didn't say that. He said, put your nets over there. And when they put that little net over there, they caught so many fish that their net broke. Now this is a lesson in just simply obeying the Lord. Just obeying the Lord. Taking him at his word and obeying him. And Jesus said, launch out into the deep. Now I believe there's a message here for us. If you are a fisherman, and God through this text speaks to you about the shabby way you've been fishing, and he says, now you go out a little bit deeper into Barren River, you go into the reservoir, or go out to Nolan and go a little bit deeper, and cast in your nets, and God seems to say that to you through this message, then you do that. But I believe there's a spiritual application in this message. And though historically that literally happened, I believe it, I believe down through the years God has been using that text to challenge Christians to go deeper, to go on with God and not be content to just be in the little pool and cast in just a little net and to work in shallow water, but to go deeper, to go on with God. And so I want to suggest several things and make this a challenge to our church tonight, a challenge to every believer, a challenge to every unbeliever, a challenge to every one of us here, a challenge to the preacher, 
and to the deacons and to the teachers and to the choir and to every officer and every member and everybody who has never been saved. Launch out into the deep. First of all, in prayer. Launch out into the deep in prayer. If you would turn a few pages in your Bible, look at Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse 9. And Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth. And he that, seek, he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? Will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them? But ask him. To them, but ask him. Ask, and it shall be given you. How puny our prayers are. How poverty-stricken our prayers are. Now, there are several kinds of prayers. I believe in praying for the sick. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. I believe it's possible to pray in the will of God for a yes answer. I think it's brazen and insulting to God for us to go to every room in a hospital, everybody that comes through those faith healing lines, everybody that's sick, and say to every one of them, I'm going to pray that God will heal you right now, and I command in the name of Jesus that you be healed. I don't believe that anybody can do that. I don't believe that's God's will. We first have to find out what God's will is. Seek the will of God. Find out what God wants. It isn't always God's will to heal. If it were, nobody would ever die. We had a very sick lady in our church a number of years ago. She's gone now to be with the Lord. She called me on the phone one night and she said, I wish you'd come and visit me. She said, we had some people come by and they stood around my bed and prayed for me to be healed. And they said, if I had enough faith that I would be healed and that the reason I was sick is because I didn't have enough faith. I went by to see her. I knelt down on my knees and asked God to give us the answer, the will of God, the mind of Christ. I said to that dear lady, now you seek the mind of Christ and I will too. And find if it is God's will for a healing to take place. She's gone to be with the Lord. I went to visit the hospital one night and a man that I had witnessed too for years. He gave his heart to Jesus. He was dying of lung cancer. The lady, his wife, asked me to pray that he'd be healed. He was in the final stages of lung cancer. And I went and stood by his bed and witnessed to him, talked with him, encouraged him, prayed with him, read the Bible to him. And his wife didn't like what I prayed. She said, you didn't, you didn't claim healing for him. I said, well, you have to get that from God before you can claim it. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. There must be that that touch of faith both in his heart and my heart and your heart that God will, that it is the will of God for him to be healed right now. I said, with all due respect and love, I can't pray like that because we can't play with our prayers. 
She said, all right, I'll call somebody else. I was still there. She called a holiness preacher. And he came up in that room and stood by that man. And he commanded the, the demons to leave. And he commanded that that man be well. And he claimed healing in Jesus' name right now. And that woman was satisfied, liked it. We went out in the hall and I said to that preacher, did you get that from God? He said, what do you mean? I said, did you get from God that God was going to heal that man tonight and you could claim it like that in faith? Oh, he said, preacher, you get, you get too serious about that. I said, I'm, we can't play with prayer. The man died that night. I'm saying to you, we need to launch out in the deep in prayer, but we need to couch our prayers in the will of God, in the plan and purpose of God. Find out what God's will is. Seek His direction. I think there are times when you can stand by someone who is dying, and you can claim because God gives you that authority and that faith, and you can claim a healing, and God does it. I think there are other times when you can stand there and you need to pray, Oh God, show us the will of God about this. Show us thy mind about this. Show us the will and the purpose of eternal God about this. And God will show you. And you dare not go beyond what God shows you. But I think those are extreme cases. Most of us don't pray. We say, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. Or we're like the man who was so tired, he wrote a little note to God and pinned it up over his bed, and every night when he'd climb in bed, he'd look up and say, Lord, them's my sentiments. And that was his prayer life. Now, I believe God wants us to pray. And we need to launch out in the deep in prayer. This church needs to be covered in prayer all the time. All of our people, all of us. I think you need to cover the preacher and the deacons and the teachers and the workers. I think one reason God blessed this mission team to Texas, every time anybody got together this last week, they prayed for God's hand upon that team and for safety on the road and for God's power in giving the gospel there. And God blessed. God bless you. We need to do that all the time. There needs to be a 24-hour covenant prayer in this place where some people have a prayer chain and get in direct contact with God and pray the power of God upon the services, on the visitation, on the choir, on the teachers, on everything we do and on our mission program. And God will honor it. If ye being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Oh, God, help us to be a praying people. To pray because everything depends upon God. And then to put into effect in our feet and in our hands what we prayed because God will not do for man what man can do for himself. But He'll give us the power and the authority and the faith to do it. Launch out into the deep in praying, in praying for souls to be saved, in praying for folks to be healed, 
in praying for God's power in the Sunday school classes, in the bus ministry, praying for God to call out others into the Lord's vineyard, praying for our missionaries who serve in tough, difficult places around this world. You think of Jim McKinley and Betty over in Bangladesh, dear servants of God who have literally given their lives over in that, mission, in that country that used to be Pakistan, now it's Bangladesh. And the Christian community, there is such a minute group. And in, 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 a, in a little land area smaller than Wisconsin, there are placed millions and millions of people. I talked to Jim after his first furlough. He was a little discouraged. He and I went to college together. He said, we haven't started any churches, haven't seen anybody saved. I heard somebody sort of make fun of that and say, well, they go over and do it right, they'd get people saved. Jim and I prayed, and of course hundreds of others were praying. I said, Jim, you've been trying to reach the Muslims. There are a lot of Hindus in that country, why don't you try to reach the Hindus for a while? And just ask God to touch their hearts. He went back on that second missionary tour and he began a ministry to the Hindus and the Hindus had an open heart because people were praying all over the Southern Baptist Convention. They were praying for that work. And he began to touch Hindus' hearts. You heard him when he was here the other, a few weeks, months ago before he went back and he told about the scores of churches that have opened and hundreds of people getting saved. Amen. To God be the glory. I believe the answer is prayer. Pray for Takalana Oi in Japan. Pray for our precious missionaries in Quito, Ecuador. They've had a government upset and a political problem down there. And I believe if we'll cover Larry and Becky Doyle in prayer, that dear couple walked down the aisle of this church. Larry was baptized in this baptistry. He is ours in a very special way. He's president of that seminary down there. Pray for God's hand on him. Let's pray for all of those in mission places of responsibility. Pray for Calvin Namkin. He and Sanchez, Brother Sanchez, John, Juan, Juan Sanchez will be here first week in August. We need some place for them to stay. I've been praying that God would lay that on somebody's heart to open a home or to provide some money so we can keep them in a motel. They're going to be here a whole week, Sunday through Friday, and they need some place to stay. May God place that on someone's heart even tonight to provide the finances for a motel or open your home for that dear, those people, those precious people. But pray. Launch out into the deep and pray. Praying unusual things. I believe if we will, if we will know the answer, God will show it to us someday. I believe one of the reasons we had a great service this morning is because somebody paid a price in prayer. I believe the reason those 120 people professed faith in Christ down in the Rio Grande Valley is because somebody paid the price in prayer. I believe that healing, thank God for our physicians and doctors, but healing comes in response to prayer. And souls get saved because of prayer. And churches get built because of prayer. And when God sees that we're hungry enough and we're thirsty enough and we're anxious enough and we're longing enough to see the work of this church go forward and grow and to see buildings built and to see that activities building and to see facilities for the Christian school and he sees God's people on our knees in prayer, God's going to answer. Prayer 
moves the heart of God. And the only way earth can influence heaven is through prayer. And God answers prayer. So I want to ask you to launch out in the deep in prayer. Let's launch out into the deep in compassion. Look in your Bible at Matthew chapter 9 for a moment. Matthew chapter 9 in verse 36 to 38. But when he saw the multitudes, that's the Lord, he was moved with compassion on them because they were faint and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Do you know that every time you, were, you see the word compassion in the scripture, it's connected with being moved? <laughs> compassion moves you. And so I want to ask that we launch out into the deep in compassion, a kind of love that moves people. Do you know why this team went to Texas? They didn't go for a vacation. Would you, in a thousand worlds, dream of spending 30 hours on an old, hot, stuffy bus in 107 degree weather on a vacation? And then going and staying in a roach-ridden motel? I thank God for the news you can go, we can, spend, we can stay somewhere else next year. They didn't do that for a vacation. They did it because their hearts were moved with compassion. And many others in our church had their hearts moved with compassion. Some provided some funds for some to go. Many of these provided their own funds and sacrificially invested in order to go on that trip. Oh, God, move our hearts with compassion. Move our hearts with compassion. I was in a revival meeting in Owensboro several years ago. I'm sorry, it was Lewisport. And uh, after a service one night, a man said, would you go visit such and such a person? We wrote his name down. I said, you tell the pastor, and I'll go with the pastor there. And I, I believe that's the correct way to handle that, always. And so the next day, the pastor and I went over there to the, out in the country. We went way out in the country, out in the gravel road, up on the hillside, and found this man. And we witnessed to him. We gave him everything we knew how to give him from the Word of God about how to be saved. His heart was cold as stone. He just sat there and listened. He said, well, men, thank you for coming, but I'm not interested. I'm not going to come to the revival. I'm not interested. We pled again. We got on our knees and prayed. Got up. He was as dry-eyed and cold as he could be. We left. The man at church asked if we went. We said, yes, we went, but he, he refused the Lord. Toward the end of the meeting, that man was greatly burdened. He came in the revival meeting one night with tears. And then he said to the pastor and to me afterwards, would you go again? And I felt impressed to say, you go with us and we'll go again. And so we appointed a time and this dear man went with us. The three of us went. And we went up and knocked on that man's door. I think the only reason we got back in the door is because that other man was there. He was disinterested, totally disinterested. Well, we knocked and he courteously invited us in. We again presented the claims of Christ. He said, man, I told you the other day I wasn't interested. I'm not about to, to get saved. I'm just not interested. I don't care anything about it. Don't want to hear any more about it. We prayed. We got up to leave. And this, this man that had come and requested that we go, he was so moved 
He went over and stood by the man that he knew. He put his hand on his shoulder and his lips began to quiver. And he said, Joel, I'll call him Joel. He said, Joel, I've lived near you for 30 years and I've never tried to win you to Jesus. I asked these preachers to come. Oh, Joel, won't you be saved? Don't turn your heart against God. You know what happened? That man got broken. Tears came in his eyes. He said, I didn't know you felt like that. And we got down on our knees and the man was gloriously Amen. saved. Why? It wasn't the preachers. It was the compassion of a man that cared for that man's lost soul. Oh, God, help us to launch out into the deep in compassion, in care, in love for souls that are lost and on their way to hell without God. Lord, move in our souls with compassion and care and love for other people. Now, give me a moment or two longer. I want to talk to you a moment about launching out into the sea of opportunity. The sea of opportunity. Launch out into the deep in the sea of opportunity. Oh, everywhere there's a need. There's a need. The song says, throw out the lifeline across the dark waves. There is a brother whom someone should save. Somebody's brother. Oh, who then will dare to throw out the lifeline? Well, the lifeline comes in many different forms. You can throw out the lifeline of compassion. I plead with us to do that. We can throw out the lifeline of soul winning zeal, and I plead with us to do that. And each Thursday we have soul winning teams that go out, and other days in the week, thank God for them. We can throw out the lifeline of soul winning concern when we meet in the church service and pray for souls. But I want to tell you there's some other things. For 30 years now, you have thrown out the lifeline by radio. The anchored broadcast is in its 30th year, thank God. Every Sunday morning, the morning worship service is broadcast on WLBJ, and it has been for many, many years. That's a lifeline. That's throwing out a lifeline of opportunity. I believe God would have us on television. And immediately somebody gets scared and they say, well, that costs a lot of money. F launch out into the deep. There has never been in all the history, the 33 years of this church's life, there has never been a time when we had money stashed away in the bank and we said, we can finally afford to do this. Let's go do it. Never, never, never. When we moved to that house on Jones Avenue, some of our people had to mortgage their homes to pay payments on that house. When we bought the property here, we just bought it one lot at a time. Did you know that? We, that's in the minutes of the church. We bought it one lot at a time. We took option on some other lots here, but just one lot at a time because all the money we could conjure up. We built the first building. We, we floated our own bond program. Praise God, we've never tried to do that since. Floated our own bond program. $30,000 worth, it took us a long, long time to sell that. And we moved into that building in debt. It didn't have any basement, it didn't have, I mean, there were no partitions and no, there was dirt floor and all that. And little by little by little by little by little by little by little, God's people had faith 
to say, let's go on, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this, and a lot of elbow grease, and some of us working, painting, and putting tile down, and all those kind of things. And then we built other buildings. Never. I'm thankful that some churches can move into their buildings debt-free. God bless them. Thank God for that. I'm for it. But it never has been the case at this place. And I want to tell you, we need to launch out into the deep in providing the material, the equipment for television. Did you know that we can be on cable television and it'll cost nothing? Nothing, not a thing, except our equipment that we need to own in order to get on television. And I believe God's people here can do that. Launch out into the deep end opportunity. Working, doing everything we can to raise the funds and get the $10,000 needed to get the equipment for the television. And we can do it. God will bless. But he's waiting for us to get at it. Geraldine Smith is a member of our Silver Circle. She went with us to the Royal Ranch last year. We had the time of our lives. It was wonderful. And we met up on the stage that the, our men had built. And, uh, but they had to walk over those little stones and cobbles, you know, to get there. And Miss Geraldine said, well, we ought to concrete this. And so she has been praying that God would lay it on the hearts of our people to give. It's going to cost about $1,200 if we'll do the work. Cost tw over $2,000 if we get somebody else to do it. And she said the other day to me, she said, I've got eight people that have made commitments uh, toward that. And she, she said, I'm going to get some others. I believe God will honor our request if we'll go out there and concrete that place. God will provide it. God will take care of it. Let's launch out into the deep in provision, in, in, in opportunities. We need, some, we need some buildings out there. We need some cabins. We, the, 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 the very base thing we need is a restroom and a shower house. And I believe if we'll do it, just do it, get at it. God will bless. Launch out into the deep in this opportunity to serve him. We need a gym for our school. You imagine having state champions in our school and they practice out there in the parking lot and the paper, they did a good job, I think. They sort of made fun of us and talked about the way we have to practice. And we've done that for these years that we've had a high school division. Our school needs a gym. And how are we going to get it? Launch out into the deep in opportunity. Just do it. Get at it. Go at it. And God says, I'll take care of it. I'll be with you all the way. I'll not let you get out there and forsake you. I'll be with you. My God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Launch out into the deep in opportunity. We went into the Partners in Progress program. One man told me it would split the church to do that. Thank God for people that gathered around and worked at it. And we have over $91,000 that's come in in that program. And you're seeing some of the effects of it right here. We just launched out of the deep and did it. And I'm pleading with you tonight, cast out there a little bit farther. Get out of the shallow water. Launch out into the deep. 
And like Peter, we'll say, now, Lord, I've fished all night. I've done all this. And I've put out the advertisements. And we've invited people. And we've done this and that and the other. And we haven't caught much. And the Lord will say, all right, launch out there in the deep. Now, that may mean build, buying some more property here and building some more buildings right here. It may mean finding a piece of property somewhere. And